pause, blink, and urge your heart rate back to normal. You're in the midst of a negotiation and things are going in a way that you had not expected. Welcome to the Leaders or Readers series, episode number five. This book was recommended by our very first interview guest, Kayleen Peary. Kayleen, thank you so much. She is the founder of Lexington Event Company. And the book she gave us, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It by Chris Voss and Todd Ross. Wow, this book is phenomenal. It's been recommended by so many people. Sun Tzu called the supreme art of war to subdue the enemy without fighting. Did you get it? I don't know if you got it. To subdue your enemy without fighting. Well, let's jump into the book. Chris Voss and Tal Raz say, a negotiation in essence does two things. And one is a psychological investigation. It's an information gathering opportunity for you. And how do you do that? How do you gather information from your counterpart? One of the tools he mentions is you ask calibrated questions, open-ended questions. You don't ask the kind of questions that you can get a yes or a no. You ask how and what questions. The kind of questions, one, that buy you time to think, to assess a situation, that gives your counterpart what he calls the illusion of control. Because they hold all the answers. And your job is simply to listen to what's being said and to listen to what's not being said. Because you want to understand two things in this psychological investigation that is negotiation. You want to understand what your counterpart wants and you want to understand what motivates your counterpart. You also want to understand how to connect with your counterpart. What are they about? And the only way you can do this is by listening. And it sounds so simple, but listening studies have shown is very, very difficult. Active listening. Most of us, we're all very good at talking, but we're not very good at listening. The other part of what forms a negotiation is behavior influencing. So it's two things. It's a psychological investigation and it's behavior influencing. And if you know anything about influence from other authors like John C. Maxwell, where he talks about leadership is influence. Anyway, the idea is you can't influence someone that you haven't built a connection with. Even if you think about relationship, if you're a parent and you've got a young child, you can't influence your child's behavior until you actually listen to them and they feel heard and they feel known and they feel safe and they feel trusted. And then it's easy to influence their behavior. Back to the book. A negotiation is one, a psychological investigation, and it's a process of behavior influencing. Now, how are we going to go about this? Okay, well, Chris Voss gives us plenty of tools in this book. I can't go through all the tools, but I'll go through a few of them. One, Chris says, Control your emotions in any kind of negotiation. Even if people give you the most extreme offer or the most insulting offer, always control your emotion. When you feel that rising heat in your body, pause, blink, and urge your heart rate back to normal. Because once emotions are heightened, the negotiation is already lost. Secondly, Chris and Tara say, set aside the money. Don't focus on the numbers in the negotiation. I know you're entering into the negotiation to get some kind of a deal for a certain number. But once you enter into engaging your counterpart, the first thing he says is set aside the money, set aside the numbers, set aside all assumptions about your counterpart and view the interaction with new eyes. Because the danger of not doing that is that you make assumptions and they create opportunities for you to be blindsided. He talks about 
And this is also the name of his company, of Chris Voss's company. He talks about black swans, information that is unknown, but if known, has a big impact and it changes what is happening in that moment. There's always an opportunity for there to be a black swan. It's never happened before, but it can happen. That's how you should always look at a situation and enter into negotiation. And he says, you fall to the level of your highest preparation in any kind of negotiation. So you do need to prepare. Please go to my website after this where you will find a written document that'll add a little bit more to this. So it won't be what I'm going to talk about. I can't possibly talk about everything, but it'll be a little bit of a part of the book that I think will complement this episode. So please go to our website, www.reinventingperspectives.com and sign up and you can claim this written document. It's free and it's for you. Back to our negotiation tools and framework. The next thing that Chris Voss mentions is you need to build rapport. And he says there are two keys to building rapport. Empathy, which he refers to as tactical empathy, not just empathy where you put yourself in the other person's shoes, right? You want to go a little bit deeper. He says you want to have tactical empathy, which he defines as listening as a martial art, balancing the subtle behaviors of emotional intelligence and the assertive skills of influence to gain access to the mind of the other person. The goal is to gain access to the mind of the other person. Remember, psychological investigation. Because you have a goal. In this negotiation, you are after something, right? And your counterpart is also after something. But at the end of it, your desire is that you influence your counterpart to come on board with what you desire. The authors say business is about relationships, period. Nothing else. That's why even though it's an negotiation and you hear numbers, figures, the first thing you do is to set that aside, set aside your assumptions, come with clean eyes, and you decide to build rapport, tactical empathy, where you listen and you get to know your counterpart. You're building a relationship first. Because if you don't build the relationship first, it's near impossible for you to influence the behavior of your counterpart in your favor. The other thing that the authors say is... You need to separate the person from the situation. The adversary is always the situation and never the person. Remember, business is about relationships. The moment she says you descend into that person is crazy, the offer they gave is crazy, they're crazy people, then the negotiation has stopped. It can't go any further. It can't go any further because simply if you have defined that your counterpart is crazy, you can't change a person. And so there's no point in the negotiation going any further. So that's why the authors say you need to separate the person from the situation. The person is not crazy. What has come across in the offer may sound crazy, but then you need to dig deeper. Why is this offer quote unquote crazy? right? And the authors give three possible explanations, things that you can think about when you can understand what's coming across from your counterpart. He says, perhaps your counterpart is ill-informed. Perhaps they are missing certain information that has drawn them to this conclusion. Or your counterpart is constrained. Perhaps they are not the decision maker. And so no matter how good your negotiating process is, it's not going to go anywhere. They are constrained in some way. Or there is hidden need that you are not aware of. So he says, 
Never use the label crazy. Dig deeper. What is going on here? That's why he says your negotiation is a psychological investigation. Are they ill-informed? Are they constrained? Is there a hidden need? What is the motivation behind what is happening? Central to great negotiations, the authors say, is emotional intelligence. I think there are a lot of great books that have been written about emotional intelligence. And in this book, they touch on certain things that you want to avoid in a negotiation process. Just emotional intelligence kind of things. Things like no one likes to hear the word no. The moment you say the word no, you get a negative response from the other person. In situations where you have to say no, you have to say it in a certain way. In a way that shows respect for the other person. You may begin by saying, I'm sorry, unfortunately, blah, 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 blah. Or you can pose a question. So they give an example in the book where they talk about being given an offer that's very low. And in response to that, the author suggests that you could begin by saying, well, how can I accept that? In other words, you're saying no without quite saying no. And by asking, how can I accept that? You're requiring your counterpart to do the work of justifying that for you. And in other words, you're transferring that responsibility of them understanding why you would say no to such a thing to them by asking, well, how can I accept that? In the process of them answering that question, the objective is that they end up speaking in your favor from their own words. And so it's different than you saying, no, I can't accept that because blah, blah, blah. You want your counterpart to take ownership of understanding why you would have to say no to that thing. So in essence, you're saying no without saying no and there's respect and your counterpart is taking ownership of the no on your behalf, even though they're the ones who have given the offer. The next thing he says, emotional intelligence wise, is if you push, the natural response of another person is to push back. So you have to be very careful with being assertive because if you're too assertive in a negotiation, all you get is pushback. It's a natural response. What you'd rather do, the author suggests, is you want to be easygoing, you want to be light, you want to be positive, and you want to be playful, and you never want to be assertive. Because nobody likes being told what to do. The other point in the book, no one responds well to being disrespected. Oh, now I forgot to mention this. Chris Vaughn, he was a negotiator for the FBI for many years. And so he dealt with hostage situations. And he gives a lot of examples in the book of various hostage situations, some that turned out not so good and some that turned out really well. And the things he learned from that, which is the basis of this book on negotiating. So he was negotiating with people who had a hostage and were threatening to do away with that person's life. Really high level, high stress negotiations. And he says, even in that situation where you'd want to just label someone crazy and a terrorist, no one responds well to being disrespected. He said, you always lead with respect. That's back again, building rapport. Back again, Business is about relationships. Back again, negotiation is about psychological investigation and behavior influence. You can influence someone who thinks you think they're crazy or who thinks you're disrespecting them. It's impossible. So the other thing he says in terms of emotional intelligence, ask yourself, what is your counterpart thinking or how would they be thinking about the way in which you are presenting yourself towards them? So perhaps your counterpart is wondering if you're listening and if they think you're not listening, then that's the, the negotiation. That's why you have to put aside all mental, the things you want, all the mental stuff that you've prepared and put it aside and just engage in listening and in that psychological investigation. Your counterpart is probably thinking, can I trust you? Which is why you're building rapport. Chris Voss says, negotiation is nothing more, absolutely nothing more than communication 
with results. And that's how you should think about it. If you think about a good communication, it simplifies everything. In any negotiation, the authors say you should always expect surprises, which is why we put aside assumptions. Always expect to be surprised. Never take anything for granted. And the moment you expect to be surprised, you realize that you have to keep yourself mentally agile in a negotiation. You need to be able to respond quickly to whatever is happening in the negotiation, which is why it's important one to control your emotions because the moment your emotions are heightened, it's impossible for you to respond quickly. This they say has been confirmed by studies. Now let's go into the actual process of a good negotiation. The authors describe a good negotiation as having four simple steps on your part. So one, he says, your vocal inflection, your vocal tone that you bring to negotiation. Chris Voss advises using what he calls his late night FM DJ voice. And what is that? Is inflect downwards, you're calm, you're slow and soothing. He describes thinking about the relationship of a therapist and a patient. The job of the therapist is to mirror back what you're saying and to calm you down with the way that they use your voice. And in so doing, they open up the patient to be able to share. So that is what he says is the point of using what he calls the late night FM DJ voice. So lower tone, calm, and slow. The second part he says, always start with I'm sorry. Back to that concept of respect, of building rapport, of showing empathy. The third aspect of this, he says, is to mirror. Whatever your counterpart is saying, repeat back to them three key words of what they've just said. And he said, what this does is it says to your counterpart, please help me to understand you. Am I understanding you correctly? Back to that listening. A person needs to know that they're being listened to, that they're being heard in order for the relationship and the negotiation to go forward. Fourth, he says, after you mirror, be silent for at least four seconds to let the mirror work. So allow your counterpart to recognize that you are on the same wavelength. You are talking about the same thing, that you are understanding what they are saying. And he says, repeat this in the negotiation. So those are the four simple steps that he says you should prepare for when you're going into a negotiation. Your vocal tone, a reflection of your emotional state, starting with, I'm sorry, mirroring what your counterpart is saying, allowing a little bit of silence after mirroring. Now, this is a tricky one. He says when things get out of hand, there's anger, there's conflict, there's heightened emotions. He says the most important thing is for you to label the emotion. Talk about the emotion without getting wound up. So for example, it seems like you're not happy with the offer we've put across. It seems like this information has upset you. You want to label whatever negative emotion is there because you don't want to act like you haven't seen it or you don't want to act like it doesn't matter. Remember, at the end of the day, it's a relationship that you're trying to build. It's about building rapport. And if someone is angry, you can imagine if you're angry yourself and the other person glosses over it or acts as if they don't see that you're angry, the negotiation already is going in a bad way. This is an amazing book. I advise that you read it, go to the website and you get the free write-up. Put these tactics into place as you're entering into negotiations. There's nothing worse than being caught off guard in a negotiation because then, as he says, you fall to the highest level of your preparation. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do me two massive favors. 
One, please share it with someone that you know would benefit from this information. And secondly, please leave us a review in your podcast listening app. This will help us grow the show and get bigger and bigger guests that will benefit you even more. I absolutely value your time. Thank you for spending time with us listening to the Reinventing Perspectives podcast. Thank you and see you again next week. Mm -hmm.